0: Jokerman, a podcast about Bob Dylan, the artist.
1: This is Evan, and you just heard the voice of? Ian. And uh, we're, we're back after sort of a, a brief uh, pause. We were sort of thrown off schedule a little bit by fate in the form of, I don't know, the high holy days and food poisoning in varying measure. Um, we've spent
0: our we've spent our last week um atoning and and so we haven't really been in the in the podcast state of mind i would say
1: yeah but we're back and we are in that that podcast state of mind that empire state of mind mm-hmm. um we have
0: uh we've reentered the pod zone
1: although you know this isn't the the empire Burlesque state of mind. We're not quite there yet. <laughs> we're uh, we're actually talking about a different. We're still talking about Bob Dylan's adventures in in Christ, but less so because this one is uh, Shot of Love from 1981. That's the record that we're talking about sure today. Is. Um, as you know from listening to the program, we talk about the middle. Part of Bob Dylan's oeuvre, and uh, this is right smack dab in the middle, pretty much, um, in a lot of ways. And we find Bob doing a half-Christian record after two increasingly Christian, very Christian albums. Yes, and um, I I would say this is like a diet Christian one in some ways
0: yeah yeah it's sort of half half christian and half something else i i don't really know what <laughs> what well, else well, it's, what it's, else it's the funny, other thing is
1: it's funny you say that and because i think that what the other thing is is um it is hard to place and and it's funny uh you, I don't know if you know this, Ian, but some, a good deal, actually, of this record was recorded once again at Rundown Studios in Santa Monica, where Street Legal was recorded. And during that time, when Street Legal was recorded at Rundown, that too was a, a moment of Bob kind of at a, an impasse or a creative uh, turning point, an in-between uh, space. And I think right. we find him again at rundown like he's back in the workshop, like tinkering and toying around with trying to chart the course for the next phase of Bob Dylan. There's a, a, a promo poster that I saw on, on eBay, um, which I think it's, has a, a little bit of an interesting slogan in. Um, some more great ad copy from Bob's uh, PR team put together here, which I think says a little bit about Bob and, and that sort of transition period we find him in. It says positively Bob Dylan, which is, you know, undeniably true. And then it says, nobody's ever been able to figure out whether Bob Dylan anticipates trends, dot, 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 or creates them. But nobody doubts that Bob Dylan is always there first, so I don't I mean this says nothing um is it's, it's fluff, but uh, it's just like saying like you can't deny this is a Bob Dylan record
0: it is it is without a doubt recorded and sung by and written by uh, Bob Dylan.
1: Yeah. Are you hooked?
0: (laughs) What else can you ask for?
1: It says nine new songs from Bob Dylan on Priority Records. What the fuck is that?
0: That's a good question. It's also also a 10-song record.
1: I don't even know what this is.
0: Where are you getting this bootleg copy from?
1: I don't know. It's on. It's on. Uh, it's. It's on eBay. Well, I've never heard of Priority Records.
0: Neither have I. We can do a. Uh, we can do a live, live check here. Priority Records.
1: Because this record came out on Columbia, Bob Dylan has never strayed from Columbia, ever again after nineteen seventy four.
0: Priority Records is an American distribution company and record label, known for artists including N.W.A., Ice T, J.Z., Snoop Dogg, Bob Dylan, Silk, <laughs> The Shock, and Westside Connection. Um, no, no reference to Bob Dylan on the relatively brief Priority Records Wikipedia right, that's, page.
1: That's weird. I have no idea then.
0: It looks like it's an imprint of of capital or something yeah or I mean it's... I guess
1: that's what I was assuming is if anything if it's it's going to be uh, an imprint of capital it's got to be in the capital family of records and tapes but'm uh, I'm, I'm curious about what the history is there with if with if this is a legitimate uh, artifact then like what what is that it's pro- probably kind of boring the answer to that um, yeah so we can just move on.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, before we, before we get into this record, right? I guess it makes sense to contextualize things a little bit, as as we as we do. Uh, when we last left off with the great Ian Svenonius, uh, Bob had just recorded and released his 1980. Uh, well, not an opus exactly, but. Follow up, uh, you know, signal that he was in fact sticking with the Christian thing. Yeah, saved with saved. and that was that was one that we all kind of. There were some differing differing opinions throughout there.
1: It's one that I gave three stars out of three, <laughs> and I have been sort of kicking myself, but at the same time, because I don't really like it that much, uh, but for some reason I felt like. I I would I couldn't justify giving it a better or worse score than the previous one, uh, which is um, "Slow Train Coming." Slow train. Just because I felt like they really came from the same well of uh, feeling, and and uh, that's probably a stupid approach, but um, (laughs) I (laughs) I I, uh, I just gave like as much benefit of the doubt as I could. And I think as a sort of symbolic gesture, I gave up a part of myself for, you know, to I, I put myself, my reputation on the line, sort of like a certain carpenter, a certain uh, man who died. Do you get what I'm getting at?
0: I I see. I see where you're going, and so
1: I think I was trying to. I was feeling a little martyr-like, and I said, "I'll put it out there."
0: (laughs) You're taking one for the team,
1: yeah. And I and then I got debilitating food poisoning. (laughs)
0: That's see, that's that's. I think that's a sign uh, of of some sort from above that you know that that, I uh, was wrong. (laughs) Yeah, you you. He who uh, makes foolish proclamations about the. Three-star quality of Bob Dylan records uh, deserves some sort of holy retribution in the form of uh, uh, bad uh, prawns or something. I'm guessing
1: it was fried chicken, but uh, uh,
0: I, I've gotten I've gotten food poisoning from fried chicken before too. Awful! It's not good.
1: What is uh, different now, though, is I am absolutely positive of where I stand on this record, and I feel like <laughs> I'm standing on on solid ground. On a solid rock, you could say. Solid rock. Um, yeah. Not to show my hand, but uh, is there any further context you want to add, Ian?
0: Um, I mean, I, I guess all I would say, and it isn't even necessarily related to shot of love, uh, so much as it is just the Christian uh, period. Is is just that, like you know, you you said that you felt like you needed to give, saved, and slow train the same kind of score because they came from the same well of emotion or whatever and uh and i I do i do see what you mean in terms of like the song writing um and the lyrical you know kind of subject matter and bob's general kind of outlook or whatever but just in terms of like the overall like recorded music quality of those two records saved to me like seems like such a like looking back on it now with with a little more context, especially getting into Shot of Love now, Saved seems like such a chintzy, like cheap, just kind of like rushed out, tossed off, not particularly like well done. little like like a pale imitation of what came before. It it really kind of seems like to like like to me, at least up until this point uh, in his career, like th- the the thinnest record that he's released. See, um, you,
1: you could look at it that way, Ian, or you could look at it, I think, as I did when I was um, feeling, you know, just the, the spirit and the, and the passion um, through my body, uh, you could think of it like, oh, this is rushed and this is shoddy, but it's because it it's right there with the with the energy, with the, with the Holy Ghost mm-hmm. moving through mm-hmm. it. It's like, I got to get this down. I got to just jump into the studio and we're going to make this record. And it has that sort of a, a ramshackle quality to it. Um, as a, as a result, that's the generous reading. I think that, um, maybe someday we'll do a, uh, three stars revisited, um, episode where we <laughs> we sort of run down our our regrets and uh things we may have reconsidered, but for now I, I'm going to still stick with it uh to some degree. You know, I just in my defense, that's the positive angle that I chose to take. And I think that between our two takes, that's where, you know, as we've said before, the the perfect opinion exists. That's,
0: that's fair enough. I hope I hope all the uh all the Joker the Joker heads out there are, are following along and keeping track of who is giving the good ratings and who is giving the less good ratings. One of us gave Blood on the tracks three stars and one of us gave saved three stars. <laughs> yeah,
1: one of us gave Blood on the tracks two stars. That's one that will haunt me probably, but I actually stand by that one. Um I don't even know why exactly. I just know <laughs> I have to do it. Uh I love a contrarian take as much as anybody. Um we may we may encounter the limits of that today. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. I yeah, it it's it seems it seems like it. Uh I guess on that note, should we should we dive in head first and, and should, should we should we both uh pour ourselves a little shot and uh and, and <laughs> knock it back?
1: Do you have a beverage, Ian? Can we cheers?
0: I sure do. I've got a nice uh nice pilsner of some sort here. Very nice. To life.
1: Lookheim. Let's let's talk about Shot of Love. The title track on Shot of Love.
0: <laughs> sure is um
1: it's a good song no it's not <laughs> i actually i just think that it is uh i
0: i might uh I, I might end up being the the shot of love defender tonight it seems like um it uh it it is it is an interesting song i think um i don't uh, I'm, I'm looking at the lyrics again right now. It looks it's so. It's, <laughs> doctor, can you hear me? I need some Medicaid. Does he uh, say Medicaid? He says Medicaid, yeah, and it literally is capitalized Medicaid, like capital M Medicaid is in the the government program. Dear Lord, uh,
1: <laughs> I did not realize he literally said Medicaid. I thought he said. I guess I did. That, this is one of the one of the songs I didn't really like. Read through all the lyrics, um I know shame on me, but uh, yeah, yeah I thought he said Medicaid whatever the point was, I need some medication, maybe I thought he was saying medication, just like short surfer lingo, right no it it really is Medicaid, wow, political <sighs> uh, in that weird way, once again. <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh
0: it's 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 definitely a change of pace i think to uh to start off the record here certainly coming from what we came from previously i it, it's got a it's got a kind of consciously tougher sound i think uh, yeah to at, the, at the start you know a little a little more uh vicious a little more a little more uh, explicitly kind of rock rock sounding and, um, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I appreciate the urge and the, the desire to just continue, continue moving forward with something new in, in whatever way, uh, even though he's sticking with the Christian angle to a degree. And, and this song, I think does have a, a slight Christian, uh, uh, angle to it. Um, but not not necessarily as much as previous songs.
1: It's different here because I feel like on this record, the allusions to Christ are more like a given at this point. He's like using Christ as a example here and there, like, you know, like when Christ did this. It's it's less overt, less... Um, he He doesn't feel the need to... Shape the entire song around Christ. It's more like Christ is just weaved th- through through. Um, you get a Christ moment here, a Jesus there, uh, but it's fully integrated into into the into the songs that mention it anyway. Right. Some right. just kind of don't. Right. But there are others that that seem to be based on christian ideas um which we'll we'll get to later
0: yeah uh but but there are definitely some songs on this record i think that are that are basically secular just you know non non christian songs without any reference whatsoever to uh you know the lord christ why do we do we suppose at this point in his life he was kind of Becoming disillusioned with this, with this turn, and and I, I that's don't, why we're seeing this.
1: I don't think that he particularly was getting disillusioned with it as much as what I just was saying. I I feel more like it was something that was becoming more integrated, and maybe that also means, to some extent, it dissolves a bit in potency. It it. It, it gets a little diluted. Um, it's also probably just a, a fact that, I mean, it, it is a fact that there was commercial pressure not to put out another Christian record. <laughs> um, that Columbia, apparently, um, they Bob Dylan had presented them with... Uh, a collection of mixed versions of of the live material from the last two records called Solid Rock, and Columbia rejected it uh-huh. um, because they were working in a different paradigm than in, like, the 60s when these record companies were happy just to churn out stuff as quick as they could get it cut in the studio. Now it's a lot more... Oh is this like the savvy move like what is the what's the public thinking like we have to keep our reputation like it becomes a lot more um canny and self-aware and labels are 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 not as eager just to pump anything out they want to know it's going to be a hit
0: right yeah i think that this record was definitely not a big hit uh, in terms of, uh, in terms w- worse of, worse than the last one. Was it worse than saved?
1: Uh, yes, it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: mean, I, I, I guess, uh, I don't know. Uh, the people, um, yeah, what does it say here? Uh, number six in the UK continued Dylan's US commercial decline, reaching number 33 during a brief charts day. Yeah. Not not his, his biggest hit, his highest charting record um yeah i you mean know, uh, um uh, i i guess it it sort of seems like everyone was kind of everyone was kind of done with this this moment by the time this record uh this record comes out and and by everyone i think i mean uh the record company and the fans but also sort of bob himself as we'll as we'll see maybe in some of these, well, these other songs that are that we're about to get to
1: just to be clear done with the overtly christian moment perhaps but Something new is starting here, too, I think. And um, that's evidenced by Bob. uh, Actually, apparently something he said after uh, he told a a radio interviewer um, that he felt the same way about Shot of Love as he had recording Bringing It All Back Home.
0: Uh, what is what does he mean exactly I don't,
1: by that? I, that I don't know, but um, he's I inventing guess,
0: rock and roll again.
1: I mean, to to an extent, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about, where there's this uh, decidedly more rock and sound to this record, and there is um, if there's one thing I can say positively off the top about this record is I think it generally sounds quite good and there's moments where you get like a nice sense of the studio uh it sounds natural and like not too uh fussed, fussy and and pr- overproduced it's just like a nice mm. sound to it that is pretty clear and um unpretentious uh I and I like that about it I think Dylan has said um, and referred to, even uh, relatively recently, that this is one of his more uh, his best sounding records.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that 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 is definitely true, and and still holds up. And and part of why I think it's a stronger record than Saved is that it it does sound like a a clean, competent, professional you know uh, a a piece of music as opposed to Saved, which is almost like a it's like, D, like almost DIY, but like not in a cool way, just like in a like no-one-gave-a-shit sort of way. Um, Let's not, not talk to, about Saved. Any not f- to continue bagging on Saved. <laughs> well, um, it just
1: makes me but, feel bad because I... <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: but no, I, I think that that's interesting, and I think that's a good point, because this, this does really sound like the the songs, right, or the the, the lyrics, whatever... Uh, he's going to end up going in a very different direction very shortly after this. But musically, I think, and production-wise, mixing and shit, I, I do think this is sort of the the beginning, the start of a new phase that we're going to see over the next uh, you know six, seven, eight years. At this point, um, I don't think that this this sounds exactly like Infidels necessarily or Empire Burlesque, but I do think that this is this is like uh, the the sound of this record is a clean break from what we had was saved which itself was a clean break from slow train. Um, and then, and then the, this, this direction that he starts heading in on shot of love again, not lyrically, but, uh, musically and sonically, I think he's going to continue to pursue, uh, throughout the eighties. This, this in a way, I think it's Bob's, this is really kind of, I know saved came out in 1980, but in a sense, I think shot of loved is shot of love is really the first eighties Dylan record. Yeah. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's actually the best way to look at it. Um, and uh I think with that we can just go to the next song because there's definitely more to talk about here on that note.
0: That is uh that is fair enough. Heart of mine.
1: Um Yeah, so Heart of Mine, this song to me, like <laughs> speaking of just that what you just said, that this feels like the first eighties Dylan song or Dylan record, this kind of feels like uh I think that's a great descriptor for this, which I know that full house came out much later, but I can just imagine like, uh, uh, uncle Joey. Is that, um, is that John Stamos character in that show? I think so. Yeah. I I can picture him like in his shitty band, like just busting this one out, like (laughs) on an episode when they're like supposed to like see them play like his stupid band. And, um, and it's you know it's that sort of inoffensive like sort of like a 50s throwback sound like type of song um, but done in this like sort of goofy 80s shuffle with right. Uh, isn't there like which is which songs do, do Ringo is Ringo on?
0: Yeah, that's a a good question. Um, Yeah, he's on Heart of Mind. Yeah, he's the the drummer on Heart of Mind.
1: Right. I think that there's actually a quote here uh, from Dylan, which I I pointed out to myself and written down. Yeah. um, It was done a bunch of different ways, but I chose for some reason a particularly funky version of that, and it's really scattered. It's not as good as some of the other versions, but I chose it because Ringo and Ronnie Wood played on it, and we did it in like ten minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um,
1: I think he's talking about this song because the, Ringo and Ronnie Wood don't play on any other songs, do they?
0: Yeah, at least that, as far as the songs that appear on the record, I think that's. Um, I think this is the only one.
1: Okay. Um. um but yeah, uh, this song has. What you could look at positively on one hand as sort of a very spontaneous and sort of happy go lucky, just everybody playing in the band type of sound, mm-hmm. and um, you could look at it negatively as <laughs> anemic, tossed off.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I I really like this song, uh, but I I I like it for the same reason that I like like um, Mirage, uh, the the Fleetwood Mac record after Tusk, where they. Uh, I like Mirage. I love Mirage, um, but but I I like it because it's this like this weird sort of um, like hyper hyper pop, um, explicitly commercial kind of sound after something that was so um out there and and artistically challenging um this is this is the most sort of like straightforward and simple like you know just a basic bullshit pop song i think that that bob maybe has ever written and recorded um it's just got a very trite kind of lyric that's uh, the word doesn't, uh, doesn't seem particularly insightful or or emotional or anything but that doesn't make it bad like um it, it um It, it, uh, it, it's sort of a, like a, a a preview of, of a direction that he didn't end up taking really, uh, where he could have just could have, could have moved into this career as just sort of like a, you know, a guy who cranked out records just with a bunch of like, you know, whatever songs about love and stuff. The
1: Stray Cats or something.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: it sounds like, uh, it. It, it, this song, arranged another way, it could be like a jazz standard or something. Or, you know, just like American songbook type of deal. Um, like, it it could have been written in the 40s. I think there's even a quote of Bob saying something like that. Um, and, yeah, in general, I think it's very hard to, like, hate this song. It's pretty uh, likable.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, It's it's very... Uh, easy, easy to listen to, like shockingly easy to listen to. I think, and this this one is definitely not a Christian song. I think, as far as I can tell. No, least, no, you know, it
1: seems to be about a lady who is not like you know Mary Magdalene or something. It's just a about men and women that crazy combo. You know, the
0: classic, the classic relationship we all. <laughs> know uh, and love also released as a single in uh in europe with this uh this terrific um cover here
1: right so the uh that poster that i was just talking about had this image of dylan looking oh was
0: it this same image in
1: profile sort of forlornly uh look, very looks you know clinically depressed yeah just <laughs>
0: kind of looking like shit
1: um unshaved sort of patchy beard and uh weird faded colors, red border. But shall we move on to the next song? I don't think there's much more to say about heart of mine.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess the, the only other thing that I would say, I'm just glancing at my notes real quick is that it, it's sort of a preview I think of, um, or, or an example of what, what street legal was supposed to sound like almost, um, Hmm. uh, like if, if, if that project had been undertaken professionally and, and with any sense of, um, organization uh i think that i think that this this is the this is this is what he was aiming for uh in terms of something that's just like super hi-fi and and clear and and um um easy to listen to yeah I mean, uh, you, obviously those kinds of songs were different than what he's writing at this point but um but it uh it strikes me as as the what what would have been the goal for that that project
1: you add some tenor sax to this and it's boom it's street legal there you go um, well, the next song, I uh, tenor sax stands no chance to do anything to.
0: Property of Jesus.
1: I don't not sh- exactly sure what I mean by that, but um, <laughs> I hate this song, man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is uh, why? Why do you hate this song?
1: This is like you know we talked a lot in the last few episodes about the. Condescension of of Dylan's Christian, his particular Christianity, uh, and um, that this sort of "I I have Christ and you don't" uh, vibe that he that sort of permeates some of that music, and right. um, I feel like it's all curdled into just one really pissy little. <laughs> Five minutes or whatever However long this song is, um, with property of Jesus. Let me just glance at my notes here. Yeah, my notes say, um, "Just shut the fuck up, man." <laughs> and then I wrote, um, "Yeah, it's it's sort of the apotheosis of condescending Christian Dylan." One could say that this is Bob Dylan's. You know, on the on. Let's give it the benefit of the doubt. All right, this is. Possibly, you could say, like we talked about with Ian Sfinonius a bit, uh, he had written about the uh, parallels that sometimes appear in hardcore punk, for example, uh, where it sort of runs parallel to Christianity, um, this this denial and this like taking pride in the fact that you're not, you know, basically just being minor threat. You could say that Bob Dylan with this song is just going full minor threat mode. He's (laughs) saying, this is his out of step. This is him saying, um, you know, I don't drink. I don't fuck. uh, But on the other hand, uh, this is the sound of of a guy who doesn't want to admit how awful he is to be around. And uh, it seems like it's way more the latter than the former to me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I. I actually have a, a soft spot in this uh, in my heart for this song. I think I, I completely agree with with you in terms of the the subject matter here. It's uh, one of the more insipid songs that he's ever written. Uh, really, really, just some just dog shit kind of self pity. I mean, it's it's um, like
1: so, it's funny to in unintentionally. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the the sound on this song, I actually really kind of dig. It's got this big, like, kind of um, almost like Springsteen y uh, vibe to it. Just very like uh, like Phil Spector wall of sound kind of thing going on with these big like enormous guitar lines and this this uh, pounding piano throughout. Um, I think I mean for <laughs> if if uh, if the sound had been applied to a better song uh, lyr- lyrically speaking uh it, this could have really been a highlight here but um as as it stands yeah it's just it uh i mean i i like listening to it uh, it it uh i it comes on and i smile to myself and think uh oh this is this is a funny song to be listening to right now yeah
1: i mean i i said i use the word hate that's probably too strong but do i enjoy listening to this song more than i get like sort of annoyed at it I don't know.
0: That is uh that is that is a fair opinion to uh to have. I mean it's it's not a good song.
1: of um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Jesus it's and then I mean the lyrics are uh are uh property of Jesus, uh resent him to the bone, but you've got something better You've got a heart of stone.
0: Yeah, a heart of stone. Yeah,
1: I mean it's it's catchy actually. Like maybe I'll grow to like it as a bit of a something fun for me to think about after I think we digested it for a bit. But um, yeah, I haven't like listened to this record much actually um, until more recently. So right, I'm still I, I feeling. Think... Freshly, sort of annoyed, yeah,
0: getting getting it felt out. I think that, that we need to undertake some sort of um, uh, uh, some sort of playlist project at some point yeah. that assembles uh, the best all of. of the the dumbest songs on all of the records. Oh uh, yeah, and I don't yeah, I don't have idea. answers for all of them, but uh, this one would definitely appear as would uh, Mozambique, obviously. Um, yeah, no, that's. The,
1: I don't think Mozambique is the dumbest one on that record. I on Desire,
0: it, do you have a better? Do you have a better contender? Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love I, Mozambique. No, I,
1: I, you might be right. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're probably on the money there. Uh, but um, it's also the best song on Desire.
0: Well, <laughs> that's.
1: I am kidding, uh, kind of. You yeah. know.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, I mean the, the, that am I kidding? Just well, I that's that's for the audience to, to think about and for uh, I guess for me to think about too and I, for you as to I know.
1: Sip my tea.
0: But yeah, I mean just, be, just because a song is is dumb doesn't mean that it's uh, not good. Um, you know, some of the uh, very greatest songs of all time are uh, are dumb. Uh, you know, going yeah. back to the great Louis Louie. Um, it's just fun to hear yeah. uh someone who is so not dumb uh release dumb songs well, and you then know, have them it, still be kind of good.
1: It he contains multitudes in some of some of which yes, are is. very dumb. Uh and uh you know, there's several kinds of dumb. There's like hunky bimbo dumb and himbo as the case may be. And then there's dumb like guy who is always bitching about philosophy and he's dumb in a way that is like irritating, uh, you know, thinks he's smarter than you, but he's, he's he's just barking up the wrong tree. Hmm. Many different types of dumb. It's, it's actually interesting that this song manages to be several at once. (laughs) And, um, I think with that, I have exhausted all that I have to say about property of Jesus.
0: Well, get get ready because I'm I'm guessing that you're going to be even more excited about the next song.
1: I don't know that it's possible to be excited about the next song actually. <laughs> the next song is Lenny Bruce which is just a terrible song. <laughs> this is this song the best thing I can say about it is it's well intentioned. <laughs>
0: I, I just I just said that Property of Jesus is the dumbest song on Shot of Love, and somehow I wasn't even thinking of Lenny Bruce, which is literally the next song and is a 100,000 times dumber.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could, I've said it was well-intentioned, but there's actually things in it that make me think it's not, if I really <laughs> want to dig into it. Like, well, just for the context of, you know, to the listener, of course you know who Lenny Bruce is. Actually, I don't know. Maybe you don't. He was very famous... Uh, comedian, one of the first comedians to say the F word. I mean, no, sort of. He was just a comedian who he might as well have been. That's the the scale of his importance.
0: Right, sort of the uh, the Louis C.K. Yeah. <laughs> of, yeah. Of, of the 1960s. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. Uh, the Harvey Weinstein of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> No, uh, no, he wasn't. He didn't sexually abuse anyone, as far as we know.
0: As far as we know, um,
1: what he did do is he—you got to listen to the song to find out. Basically, what he did is he—he he told he was able he—he he told people who were up in the top, who were in high of power. He said, "You're not so great."
0: He sure did. He spoke uh, spoke truth to power uh, by telling dick jokes, basically. But like you know, very tame ones. Yeah, for... not
1: he. Said, he said stuff that was really, really raunchy in the fifties, and I don't know how funny any of it is to our modern sensibilities. Outside of you know being in the fifties and having it be shocking at the time, that was probably half of the fun. Um, but you know, a brave man truly, to be doing that uh, on some level and, um, you know, respect. There wouldn't be, you know, think of it this way, there wouldn't be a Louis C.K. <laughs> without it.
0: Uh, he, he blazed a trail. <laughs>
1: uh, there's a lyric in this, in this song that, like, I just find pretty obnoxious, which is, like, when when Bob says that he was in a taxi with him once and it was only a mile and a half, but it felt like it took a couple of months.
0: That's yeah. Which is like saying puzzling.
1: It's like saying, uh, you know, yeah, I know I only met him one time, but actually it's like I was his best friend. So he's, he's like equating himself, like putting himself on the level of Lenny Bruce in this way that's, I suppose, meant to be a little, like, sort of subtle, but it comes across a bit like he's just making this song to remind people that, like, hey, you know the great heroes of culture? Yeah, you you know, like like how I am? Sometimes you have to pay respects to ones who came before you, actually. (laughs) There were ones before me, before I (laughs) came along, even.
0: Yeah, I mean, he he does obviously have a well-established track record of uh, you know doing that for people that it inspired him or or that he was a big fan of. Uh, it's himself.
1: true. You know, song for but, Woody Guthrie is you know one of the song for right.
0: Woody. But like this particular person at this particular moment in time, to- like it's just there's, well, there's something very confusing about this because like it, it 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 seems like the kind of guy. That, uh, that Bob would be, like, scolding, uh, or at least 1981 Bob, uh, right. you know, it, evangelical it Bob, to... would be scolding for his you know, his, his immoral behavior.
1: I suppose, you know, if you really want to be generous and you, you look at this song as Bob correctly, you could take that opinion, recognizing in, um, in Lenny Bruce, a fellow traveler, you know, literally, they've traveled in a taxi. In the song. Do you think
0: they actually were in a taxi, or
1: did he just wrote that lyric? Uh, it's. I think that the the fact that the story is so unimpressive means it's probably true <laughs> that he was once in a taxi with him for one mile. I can buy. I can believe it. Right. But you know, I I feel like there is a case to be made for Lenny Bruce being like a genuinely, you know, yes, a very important uh, cultural figure especially in the history of comedy and and american pop culture as a result and um that he did genuinely threaten the uh, the powers of the the people who are in charge of those industries and in charge of by extension the whole of the the land and uh you know this was a comedian lenny bruce who actually partly uh you could say a huge part of his his downfall was the fact that his um, he he was constantly under fire and defending himself under ob- ob- obscenity charges. Like this was when you could still get in legal trouble for saying dirty jokes and things like that. Right. Um, so you know it does take on sort of an epic scale if you really want to think about it in those terms. Um, Lenny Bruce, of course, died at the age of forty uh, from a I guess, uh, uh, intentional uh, overdose of either morphine or heroin. Um, And he also found out that his house was being foreclosed on in Los Angeles that day. Uh, Very sad. Um, And uh, so I I don't think it's worth questioning why Bob decided to write the song now as much as uh, how he did it. I don't know. I just find it
0: a pretty bad song yeah just in terms of it being a song it's got this it's sort of like a slow like dirge kind of thing and bob has got a very uh you know uh obviously you know this is this is jokerman we we love we love bob and his his beautiful voice uh but he's he's really just got a uh you know the the that that nasal that nasal tone is really is really coming out strong in this one with the Lanny uh Danny Bruce, Bruce is, Dan. is Dan. <laughs> it's just uh, also a uh, very curious mention of the golden globes in the very second the, the very golden globe yeah
1: he never won a, <laughs> it that's one of the uh, funniest lines in the song is, this uh, is he never won a golden globe award and uh, then he also mentions Synanon, which is the uh, drug rehab center for celebrities that turned into a crazy cult, and that was located in Santa Monica. But uh, yeah. the uh, fu- one of the funniest lines is the Golden Globe line, just because it seems like... I don't know if this is true. I mean, I kind of doubt that Bob Dylan gives a shit about Golden Globes, but it sort of seems like he's vicariously being salty about not getting one himself he's like yeah well you know who else didn't win a golden globe award lenny fucking bruce
0: <laughs> the golden globes uh i mean and they they still are like a uh a- Joke, but they were like really a joke up until like ten or fifteen years ago, I think. So Bob mentioning in 1981 that Lenny Bruce didn't win Golden Globes in 1959 or whatever. Well, then, he's then
1: <laughs> maybe he's uh maybe he's just kind of referencing them as something foolish. Like he didn't he didn't need your Golden Globe award.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: Anyway, I don't want to even spend too much more time talking about this song.
0: Really, just a just look like looking through uh, uh these first four songs, just uh, a, a quick retrospective. We have Shot of Love, uh, the title track, uh, which is sort of a hard rocking, uh, pseudo Christian <laughs> song where he name checks a bunch of drugs uh, and talks about how he doesn't need them. Uh, then Heart of Mine, which is just like a completely like, uh, 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 trivial bit of pop fluff that is good but is uh, trivial pop fluff nonetheless then property of jesus uh one of the dumbest most uh self-pitying songs that he's ever written with a weird uh phil Spector production vibe and then this like interminable dirge about (laughs) Lenny bruce a a 20 years dead comedian at the time uh, a real a real kind of grab bag of of topic matter, yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and is emerging so far with
1: no signs of stopping. Because the next one <laughs> follows that trend. Oh god,
0: I was walking uh, this afternoon, just like kind of humming this song to myself under my breath and thinking, like, <laughs> fuck it, like, I, like, why am I doing this? I hate this song.
1: <laughs> this, <laughs> song this song, this song, a similar thing happened to me where I was I was walking around and I was listening to it and. It, I was kind of like bopping my head and then I realized that you get an entire verse and chorus within the first 30 seconds of this song. And this song Watered Down Love feels like a song that was made during a fire where Bob Dylan had to escape and yet he was finishing the song while he was escaping. (laughs) <laughs> it feels like it was somehow written in less time than it takes to perform an incredible song just because <laughs> I, I fail to really wrap my head around it. It's like, it's like an impossible object, like an MC Escher object of a song where like you think that the hook is happening and then it's already over by the time you thought, I, do you know what I mean? Like, sort of. what is the, what is the the melody here? You, you want a drama. drama? You want a
2: drama?
1: You want a drama? It's so fucking dumb. That's, like, the most compelling part. <laughs> um. I... Maybe I yeah. went too far, but
0: um, in <laughs> I don't even I don't even know what to say. Uh, in in the same uh, sort of vicinity as as heart of mine, I would say. Uh, but it's even um as as um inoffensive, I would say, or uh, anodyne as as heart of mine. As uh, this is even more uh inoffensive uh and anodyne <laughs> and in that way becomes somehow more offensive yeah. in, in that
1: Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. It's like you uh you you made a being out of the DNA of heart of mine, but it's like a, a homunculus. <laughs> it's like a it's like a little like um you know like lab concoction with like half of the genetic information.
0: Not uh not as greatest i got to say um, I, I i it is it does have this weird kind of catchy earworm quality to it um, only
1: because it's so like anti catchy or, or something
0: i mean it is like sort of like
1: it is sort of catchy you want to down though? you want to want to down yeah, i'm sorry go on
0: i'm listening to it again right now
1: yeah, it's almost got like a Hall and Oates vibe to it, or something. Right, but it sounds like if Hall and Oates were like asleep, and you, <laughs> or it sounds like you took like a hair from each from Hall's head and from Oates' head, and then took it to a scientist, and they had to just, you said, make a Hall and Oates song with this. You wanna wanna dance. It's not lost <laughs> on me that the song is called "Watered Down Love," when and it's possibly the most watered down song I've ever heard. It's what what
0: what do we suppose a watered down love is?
1: Well, it's not a pure. You don't want a love that's pure. It's the opposite of a pure love. Uh, it's uh, do, 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 do. It almost sounds like um, what theme song is that?
0: Yeah, yeah, Doug. Yeah. Is that Doug?
1: Yeah, I think it is Doug.
0: Yeah. Um
1: Watered down Doug.
0: Nah. <laughs>
1: Stupid. Um <laughs> this, this is lo- what this record is doing to my mind.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I, I I understand. Uh, you know, it's it's really kind of poisoning your brain. Um got a nice nice uh uh top notch lyric uh Love that's pure, ain't no accident, always on time, is always content, an eternal flame quietly burning, need, never needs to be proud, restlessly yearning. Like what are we what are we doing here, Bob?
1: It's about it's a love song, I guess. You know, this isn't a song about Jesus, right?
0: Yeah, it's a love song, but it's a song about how like someone isn't loving him properly or something, or can't love him properly because they want a watered down. Yeah, love.
1: they you no. Know, he's saying, you know, yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear. He's saying, you don't want a love that's pure. You want a drowned love. You want a watered down. Yeah, uh, is there an? Is it weird for a song to have the chorus come so quickly into the song?
0: Uh, I think it's weird for a, a Bob song, at least. I mean, it, it, that's how that's how it songs feels, are written. It feels today, abrupt, basically. To me, it just feels
1: um, like it comes too quick.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's strange. This this again. This is this is shades of uh, you know uh, Mirage Bob, and uh, that he's just like doing this weird, uh, like whatever his version of like a hyper pop song is. But it is like such a weird, just like off the mark kind of version. It's it's like it's interesting somehow because of that. I think, it, but it's uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's not. Not, not his greatest uh, of all time.
1: No, it's not Bob Dylan's greatest song of all time. If you're looking mm. for that, you have to look elsewhere.
0: You're gonna wanna, you're gonna wanna go. You know, I, I know, I know. You might think that this is up there with your Desolation Rose and your um, uh, and your Sad-eyed Lady of the Lonelands and and uh, your Highway 61s, but you would you would be surprised to learn that it is not, in fact, as
1: uh, as good as some of those. Well, I think we've reached the end of side one, right?
0: We have reached the end of side one. Would you would you hazard a guess uh, before we r- wrap this side up of uh, of of the of the five tracks from side A, which do you think has the most plays? Uh, you know, live wow. according to Bob Dylan com.
1: Um, just to to guess, let me just take a look here about which song which songs we're talking about. Um. I, I would, geez, is it Lenny Bruce?
0: (laughs) It's Lenny Bruce. Well done. That sounds
1: like, that sounds like it. (laughs)
0: 117 plays. Most recently played November, 2019, (laughs) less than, less than a year ago.
1: Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Wow,
0: what what I would not have given to uh, have seen him play Lenny Bruce live when I saw him uh, a couple years ago. Yeah, see that's that's cool is like twenty nineteen Bob playing Lenny Bruce live for all these boomer assholes who pay several hundred dollars to see him and want to hear him play uh, "Tangled Up in Blue" and like a Rolling Stone.
1: I I will say though that Dylan is. Since this song, he's made other songs that are uh, sort of in out of made out of deference to other great talents, um, including one of my favorites, uh, "Roll On, John," the closer of um, hmm. "Tempest" from uh, 2012, uh, which is, I think, a beautiful song and up there with with Bob's very best, frankly. So, you know, if this song paved the way for a, a great song like Roll On John, if it created some space for Bob Dylan to, you know, say, well, this is good, I want to further explore what it's like to make these sort of tribute numbers, then I have to... Uh, recognize its, its place in the pantheon there and maybe it would be more poignant you know and interesting to hear him play it uh, these days I'm actually curious to find a video now of him performing that
0: yeah we should uh we should, we should look one up but that brings us to the end of side A of Shot of Love really one of the more <laughs> one of the more confounding uh albums I think that we've encountered quite uh, quite quite yet. And uh, and it's only gonna get weirder from here, folks. So join
1: us next time. Yes, thank you. I'm Jokerman. Jokerman.
2: You wanna time, love? You wanna, wanna die.